Craft Beer Radio Extra, Bruin USA board game Kickstarter. We're Bruin here. USA. We're here today with Adam Rayberg. He has a Kickstarter going right now with a a beer brewing, craft brewing, uh, tabletop. card game, tabletop game uh, that's on Kickstarter right now. And, is, and and congratulations, you've achieved your funding goal. Thank you. And uh, so we're going to do a couple things here. We're going to interview Adam about the game up front, uh, about the Kickstarter. And then if you're a little more geeky about it, we're going to talk about game design a little bit. We're going to end this podcast, which is posted in the main feed, and we're going to have a playthrough in the extras feed. If you listen to the extras feed where we play the game called Pandemic, it's going to be kind of like that, hopefully tighter, because that was kind of a crazy <laughs> experiment. Uh, so, Adam, give us a, a little background. What what I've gathered from reading on you is you, you're a home brewer, uh, probably a gamer since you're designing games, but give me a little bit of background about yourself. Sure. Um, I, I, uh, am 28. I'm an engineer, uh, chemical engineer by, by training and, um, have always been into, uh, beer and home brewing, um, you know, since I hit the legal age and <laughs> not even not before uh, that, <laughs> I, I have been a gamer my, my entire life, you know, all, all like all digital games, all, all board games. Um, and, I, those two things have, you know, in the last probably eight years, intersected quite a bit. So I, I you know, I enjoy having a few beers, um, playing games with friends. And uh, what made you decide to actually try to publish a game? That's a great question. Um, I, w- with all of these uh, like like mobile iOS games coming out, um, I. I thought about it one day and I was like, hey, th- these are pretty simple. I-, I can probably do this, right? So I actually started down the path of developing and learning how to develop uh, uh, mobile software for like, like an like an iPhone, right? Right. Um, thinking that you know all you have to do is make the top ten on on the Apple uh, on, on the app App Store, and you're good. You're golden. That was super challenging, and I I pivoted away from that. Uh, onto the tabletop space. I gotta imagine that the market is saturated in. in, in the oh, Apple. it's it is the in the most insane market there is, and like now you now you see all these commercials coming out on you know Super Bowl Sunday yeah. and everything. So good luck competing there. Well, we were talking about earlier tonight about how Candy Crush Saga sold 1.3 billion dollars in in-app purchases in 2014. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. That's insane. That that is insane. Yeah, it's a big number. But I mean, you you have to be Candy Crush to do that. There, are, yeah. you know, eight hundred Candy Crush clones on the Apple Store, and only Candy Crush makes one point three billion. Anyway, back to the game. So yeah, you're so you you said you said you you pivoted away from the App Store. Continue. Yeah, so I pivoted away from the app from the App Store, and I figured out that what I really liked about game design. Um, you know, I actually enjoyed learning that, learning how to code, learning how to solve problems, um, and, and, and getting a, like a product or a prototype in front of someone, seeing how they reacted to it. Um, I, I really enjoyed that part. But it was really slow because I was learning all these other things along the way. So on, in the tabletop space, um, I started kind of, you know, poking around there, um, and, and I quickly realized that it w- it's a lot quicker and a lot simpler 
to actually put something together that other people can enjoy um, and you, you can test it out and, and learn about it so much quicker because you're you're cutting out cards. Now, cutting out cards may take you an hour and a half to do that, but you know, you're not going through the barriers of, well, I need to program some sort of a system that interacts and also has a user interface and also has particle effects and you know, yada, yada, yada. Lots of bugs. Um, yeah, I'm sure. Exactly. I'm sure tabletop bugs are easier to identify, and like you know, it doesn't give you five thousand extra points by accident. Exactly, and and I think the, I mean the other thing that I like, like one of the other huge benefits of, of and fun about the tabletop area is you're actually face to face with people um, versus uh, a digital space where you may not be face to face. You can send out a prototype and not actually get to interact with anyone, not actually get to see them play it. And in the tabletop setting, you're experiencing it together. You're you're laughing about jokes, um, and and you're just interacting in this you know this like very real, uh, very real way. Had you played a lot of other tabletop games before developing this one? I I have, but I, I wouldn't say that I'm like the biggest uh, or, or or the uh, the the geekiest hobby board gamer out there. Um, my my family got super competitive with a few hobby board games within the last eight or 10 years. And we religiously play those every time we meet. But, um, you know, I, I don't have an Uber collection of, of like 200 games. So how did you, uh, so what, what came first? Yeah. What came first? The desire to make a board game or the desire to make a beer product? Interesting. Um, I think, I think the desire to make a, the desire to make a game came first. The desire to make a board game came second, and I think it was a natural fit uh, to theme that around beer. Um, I'm, you know, I'm I'm quite passionate about craft beer, and I'm just I think you know, the home brewing process is is almost it's much like game design in in that you're creating something for others to enjoy, and yourself to enjoy as well. Um, but that that just seemed to be a natural theme for me. Would the iPhone game, if, if that would have gone to fruition, would that have been about beer also, or was was it going to be something else? It you know it wouldn't have. Um, my the the pitch that I had for the iPhone game it was called Boss Fight, and it was thinking back to um, like the early '90s of of Nintendo and Super Nintendo gaming, where you always had these mega bosses you were up against, and like that was the epic scene of the vi- the video game, and um, I, I wanted to, you know, kind of capture that and uh, present that multiple times in different ways and, and have some sort of like a, a you know, a, a very challenging daily boss or something you had to fight. So that, that was that idea. But Because I'm wondering if any aspects of what you were planning on the iPhone game kind of made it into the board game, if there were some things you, you brought over, some con- any concepts, all. really. Yeah, not at all. No, I mean, it was, it was, it was completely different. I think it started with, with the, the idea of theme. Um, the, the, I think the, the board game, you know, Brew in USA started, started with a theme first. I, I was driving on the way home from work and I said, Would, wouldn't it be cool is if I was hanging around with some buds and we were, you know, sipping some, sipping some beers. And as I was, you know, as I finished my first beer, and, and moved on to number two, that bottle cap that I just I, I just popped becomes part of the game. And so it's, I mean, it almost started as like the thought of a drinking game, but it quickly, you know, quickly deviated from that. I didn't want to make a drinking game. And I, I knew that, you know, a game about craft beer 
is not going to be a like a like a binge drinking market, right? right. So, it's it's very much tailored to like a hobby uh, a hobby board game, um, and I, I think it really you know it started with the with with the theme. So uh, you mentioned you play several games with your family every time you guys every time you meet. I'm I'm curious, uh, you know, what games those were, but also like the elements of this game. You know, I see a couple. I am not a huge board game geek either, but you know, over the last year, I have a couple young children, and we've started playing some of these really fun board games. You know, and I see elements of Ticket to Ride in this game. I see a little bit of Catan, and I'm just curious, like, what your inspirations were for the elements of this game. Yeah, um, the. I think the biggest inspiration was Ticket to Ride. Um, what I what I love about that board game um, is is that it is it's it's very it's very you know user friendly to pick up, um, very easy to learn, um, very it's it's it has a theme that doesn't necessarily excite everyone, but you can you can imagine it in in the real world, mm-hmm. and you know you can imagine in in history like the railroads being constructed across the united states right or whatever map they've they've expanded to um the games that my my family religiously play we're actually we're actually um quite quite a bit like card gamers and so i think you know we're always playing poker um in the hobby board game space the game that we really gravitate to is carcassonne um and that one is a tile laying game where you're competing over you're competing over uh placing workers on a map and you're trying to score points based on how efficiently you place those workers and you're building like these medieval towns, roads and, and farms. Hmm. A very dry theme, but I mean, it, it gets extremely cutthroat competitive. It's, it's kind of hilarious. No, I, I can see that. I mean, lots of these games, you seem like you wouldn't be interested in it and then you play it and it gets, it's really fun. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I want to add. There's lots of questions I have about about the game itself, but we'll keep that towards the end. Uh, I do have questions about uh, Kickstarter. How was it making a Kickstarter campaign? Was was it hard to do? Was it pretty easy to do? Uh, it it's definitely not easy. Um, there there is a science to it, and there's a, there's some pretty good resources on the on the net about the science, and I think it's really um, a, a successful Kickstarter campaign. Uh, need, needs to revolve around a few components. And the first component is the person. So you need to have people that actually support you and like you and want want to be involved in what you're doing. They want to see you succeed. The second is you need to find a, a, an actual market for your idea. And so, you know, you, you can't just come with some flop product that has not been tested. It's got to look, it's got to look good and it has to really, I think, attract that market. Um, and then I think the third component is is all of the preparation that goes into um, a Kickstarter campaign in terms of the you know understanding what the the the, the manufacturing cost is going to be, what your funding goal needs to be, and then how are you going to market it? Uh, how are you going to spread the word? So the, the the Kickstarter campaign to me, I mean, this is my first one, and and I've I've been just overwhelmed at how how you know how quick uh, quickly the, the 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 campaign funded, but. Man, it is a ton of work. Was it like eight days? Um, eight days work. I, I would no, say I'm like, saying no, no, no. They, they funded. They funded like eight in eight days, days right? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it, it it did. It funded in I think eight or nine days, um, which is really impressive. I think you Most hit a nerve. Campaigns hover around 
the 20 to 30 day mark, depending on how experienced that person is in the Kickstarter world. If they have, you know, people that they've uh, that have supported them multiple times, then they're very efficient at it. Um, and if, if they're kind of rallying a crowd for the first time, then it takes a little bit longer, and sometimes it takes a little bit more explanation to, you know, Grandma Lynn, how do you use Kickstarter? What is this thing? You know. Or the other options, of course, you could make potato salad. You could, well, absolutely, and, and, <laughs> and like the internet's kind of a crazy place, right? You get you get some weird, wacky idea that it, it, you know, just I don't know. It, it's so differentiated; it 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 may take off. I mean, yeah, it has happened before. How did you get the the word out about this game? Um, a few different ways. Um, so the, the first one was. The game was entered into a competition uh, in May of 2014 called the Cards Against Humanity Tabletop Deathmatch. And that was a competition sponsored by Cards Against Humanity, of course. Another Kickstarter. For, uh, for, for game designers. Yeah, Cards Against Humanity was originally a Kickstarter. Yeah, that, yeah. that was originally a Kickstarter. And, and that game has blown, just blown up. I yeah. think it's still the number one game found on Amazon in the toys and games category. Wow. It's very fun to play. It's very yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty good, right? Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, it's certainly a little bit adult. It's not really a game so much as it is just a like activity, but it's fun. Right. It's a party game. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, where, where was I? I just you're, talking about, you're talking about uh, how you uh, got the word out about your game. Ah, and perfect. you were just at, uh, you, it was entering a competition. Okay, so, so this, this was a very cool competition. Um, we got invited to uh, a board game convention. So they have these things in the U.S. Uh, and, and I guess around the world called board game conventions. And it's where all these board gamers come and geek out about uh, the new games coming out. Um, there's people that dress up in costumes. This was actually my first one that I went to. And I was just kind of, I was blown away by how passionate, um, but also how nice people were at, at these board game conventions. It, it really was a very fun place. Um, but what we did there was we presented our ideas to um, the Cards Against Humanity team and some some industry experts in the board game industry, so people that work in retail, people that work in manufacturing, people that are designers, um, and they judged us based on our idea and based on how polished uh, the game was and the and and the the prototype, like the graphics. Um, and that was a, a really cool experience because they they took that competition and they they videotaped the whole thing. And they put together a web series, and it's actually just releasing right now um, online. So about eight months later, and it, it's really you know just trying to focus on the game and, and making a, the the game designer kind of look like a rock star. Um, so so that was like pillar number one. Pillar number two was these conventions are actually really good hubs for meeting new people and spreading the word. And so there are smaller conventions speckled. Throughout the U.S., the Midwest has a ton of them, and I, I live in the Midwest, so I've been, you know, driving to I think Madison, Wisconsin, Oshkosh, Wisconsin, Twin Cities, um, and and spreading the world face to face, uh, spreading the word face to face. The third big pillar was uh, a print and play, and so um, over over the holidays, I put together a PDF of um, uh, images and and Im- images that don't use a lot of ink. And people could download it for free, and I was just asking that they that they submitted an email address to me to download it. And of course, you know, I'm saying like, hey, this is a, a cool new game I'm making. It's about it's about beer. Um, a lot of people downloaded it, and a lot of people uh, printed it out and played it and gave you some really good feedback on the game. 
so I think that was like those three things were the the main uh, drivers behind spreading the word leading up to the Kickstarter. And then did you get attention from other media outlets? Is that how you got uh, so quick a, a response? Yeah, I mean, so so going into a Kickstarter, going, a little bit of the science of a Kickstarter is you actually need to have um, prototypes to send out to people so that they can put a video review together. Um, and you need um, you need support early. And so if you have, you know, so, like somewhat of a backlog of exposure, people that know this thing is coming, pe- people that um, are ready to support you day one, that's how it happens very quick. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, the momentum will start to build and carry. Um, I also was, you know, pretty aggressive in, in the funding goal that I set because I, 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 I was so passionate about the, pro- the project that I'm like, I, I have some money, you know, in the savings account. I'm okay if I, if I, uh, invest this amount of money in this product because I, I believe in it. Now, the other thing that I think that has been really helpful is actually pairing a game with with a real world entity. So the craft beer industry is 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 this great industry. People are very very um, very friendly in it, and and they're open to new ideas and, and passionate. And and passionate, absolutely. And so I've been on the phone with. And, and, and over email with a lot of, you know, actually breweries and asking them, hey, do you want a position in this game? Do you want, do you want to be a part of this game? And so part of the game is you're actually playing with uh, beer cards and you're trying to brew your beer and, you know, position your product in the marketplace so that it succeeds. And I, I, I said to the breweries, I was like, hey, do you guys want to be in the game as a beer card? So, you know, when you're brewing a beer, you know, the, the players are resonating with the craft beer that they know and love. And that has, I think that has really driven some cool momentum into the project. That's actually like, could be some like a additional revenue stream, right? You know, I'm, I'm not Monopoly. At it like an, an additional revenue stream to start with. I'm not asking any money from these, right. from these breweries. Um, all I'm asking that is they, they share the cool idea with their fans. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, yeah, I mean, you're not charging anything, but you're getting trademarks in your game, which gives you more credibility. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I, I think the, the other potential is it, it, it sort of builds the game as, you know, like what, well, what's next. I mean, I, I think a very natural expansion would be, um, more beer, right? So like we, we're going to have this initial batch of, of, of beer and breweries involved in the game. What, or, I mean, that that could totally be a seasonal or yearly update to the game to to get a new round of beers coming through, or like take it to ride. You could do Europe, and then you could do exactly. Yeah. You could just do regions, right? You could yeah. do you know Northwest. You could. <laughs> well, and I, I think the other the other part of um a, a successful game is a su- successful game needs to be, um, built on mechanics that function really well, and the cool thing of that that Ticket to Ride does do. Yes, they expand to a new region, but they also they always add in a slightly different mechanic that mm-hmm. adds a little flair to the game, a little, little bit of a different gameplay style. Um, and and I, I think you know really to, to make an expansion function well, like you you basically you need to go in with that as as the base assumption. I don't know if you saw my Twitter joke, uh, but it was like imagining this game more like uh, a cooperative game like Pandemic, right, where you have a character trait. And I wanted to be the hedge fund, 
and Greg wanted to be the uh, the macro brew who literally waters down beer. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that. I have to go pick that one out. That's hilarious. Uh, so now we're getting in, into into the the fun stuff, the game mechanics. So how did you come up with with the game mechanics of of, of this particular game? Yeah, um, it it hit, this has been a, a massive journey. Um, I think it all revolved around um, one thing, and that thing is a bottle cap. So the inspiration of the game came from let's make a game that has a has bottle caps in it. Let's make a game that is is about craft beer. Um, the game started out with mechanics that used bottle caps as as a color marker, and also as um, some sort of way to like supplement the point value of a beer that you launched in, into the market. Um, there was a lot of randomness. I tested you know tested a ton of times and. This is is it essentially evolved into somewhat of a market simulation where you're competing for in the game in Bruin USA now you're 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 basically using bottle caps to compete for ingredients that you need to brew your beer and launch it into the market. Now, you these bottle caps as like startup capital as funds also turn into um, market demand that is placed on the map. And so think of New York having, let's say, 200,000 you know, 200, people instantly that want a craft beer, want a craft beer to be in their city um, and, and be supplied all the time. Um, the bottle caps stack if you turn them upside down. And so that looks really cool and visually impactful if you're, if you're kind of a passerby watching a game. And, and that was another inspiration point where I said, that, that's so cool that I need to keep it in the game and I need to figure out a way to make that be like the core visual aesthetic when, when you're watching the game. What's great about that is you can actually see uh, very, very quickly visualize like who is in the lead, who is, um, you know, lagging behind, who has their beer cards where, and, and are they fulfilling a lot of market demand? Those market de- that market demand also is essentially like a victory point at the end of the game. So it, it just, it, it turns into a score, um, but it's, it, it ends up kind of becoming a simulation of, you know, you're getting, you're trying to launch a product into a market and you're trying to be as competitive as you can be with that product. And then the comp and, and then you're going to have competition. And so what do you do in the face of competition, right? Well, the craft breweries don't necessarily win in the face of competition. If they're all going up against each other, it's the consumer that wins because, you know, potentially the, the price of craft beer is coming down or the offerings are going up or whatever it is. So it has kind of turned into a little bit of a, like a market uh, simulation but really focused on the fun aspects of a simulation. And so you're, you know, you're auctioning over things, you're competing over things, you're brewing your beer, and then you're trying to optimize uh, and control locations on the map so that you score the most points or market demand or you fulfill the, mar- the most market demand. How many iterations have you gone through to get to this point? I think seven or eight really solid iterations that I could have published and said this is a solid game. And this game works, but um, each time, uh, and, and I think part of it is this this tabletop deathmatch video um, has, you know, I, I was kind of waiting for that as as one pillar of of exposure before I get, you know, really launch on Kickstarter. Um, I, I've had a lot of time to stew over this. I've had a lot of time to get more and more feedback, and and, and every every time I've taken this like one layer farther from my my close knit group of friends or my family to people that, you know, I work with or now people that I, I don't know 
but I'm face to face with, or people just random people on the internet that I've never met or I've never <laughs> like me who sent you some feedback last night, right? <laughs> yeah, heck yeah. Well, that was great feedback, actually. I mean, just just a brief on the rules and giving feedback on that, and and you know, it it allows me to really critically think about what am I doing and how do I make the best game for somebody. And so, I think the feedback that you gave about uh, the feedback that you gave me about setup really resonated, especially because I was actually at um, was in Chicago last night at Revolution Brewing, uh, which is a really, really cool brewery in Chicago, and they have a big, a really big tap room. We had a, we had a, a, a reservation for 40 people, and uh, the, the, the attendee list was full. Everyone showed up, and I was teaching like eight games of Brewing USA at the same time. And man, this was a, this was a task. But what I noticed, though, was that it actually, it was a little bit, it, there was a little bit of labor to set the game up, and I hadn't really noticed that in the past, teaching it just to one group. Um, and so you gave some feedback about, hey, does this thing make sense? I mean, is this really impactful part of the game, or is this just added setup? And, I mean, it gets you to think, and, and I think having just new eyes and unbiased feedback is, is a beautiful part of game design. Well, well, get ready because Greg has some started. feedback for you too. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll save that for later. Um, we'll, we'll take that offline for sure. Yeah, there's. Nice. Um, so, how much? So you, you you talked a little bit about it, but I, I'm definitely curious about the the testing aspect. Um, you know, did you start you know just sort of formulating in your head and then a couple people and then once you got once you felt solid you you went out to more people or was it just like uh i think i got something here and just spread it out immediately yeah uh it it definitely there's definitely a process and i i i think any any game designer knows that it's good to start with people you know first um you know that you're not going to necessarily get the right feedback from them but you're you're going to get your own eyes on the product or or the the system that you're trying to develop um it, start, it always starts in a spreadsheet for me. I'm an engineer, and so I, I spreadsheet the heck out of things. Then it starts with friends and family, and then it, it spreads to, you know, coworkers, and then it spreads to kind of the random internet or people in, at conventions. Um, you'll, you're definitely, you're definitely going to come across somebody that doesn't like your game, and you need to be prepared to, right. to get that feedback and, and just move on um, or take that feedback and, and really think about it and say, how can I, how, how can I improve that? And make make this a better product so that this person next time he plays it or he or she plays it would have had a better time. Sounds sounds good. Yeah, I mean it, it's a little bit intense, right? Um, yeah. I live in Minnesota, luckily, so for the most part, people are 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 very passive about their feedback, so they wouldn't like they won't tr- you know talk trash to me at the table, but they'll go on 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 a forum and say, oh, I played this game and it wasn't very good, and. And I'll follow up and I, just unbiased. I, you know, I'll, I'll say, well, what didn't what didn't you like about it? And I want to I want to learn from this so that I can make this better. And then they're very helpful. One of the questions I'm kicking around, like these kinds of games, like me and my kids have been playing a lot of Small World, and there yeah. is a blank card in Small World to make your own character. Ooh. And <clears throat> one of the my son Max wanted to make a ninja. And we're trying to figure out the traits for a ninja. And so he's giving me all kinds of ideas that are just, he's, he's four years old. So he's way under the age group for a small role. It's amazing that he loves the game as much as he does. But, uh, you know, so he's giving me a bunch of ideas that are are other characters already existing in the game. So I'm trying to think of something new and basically trying to find 
and well, there's the reason I started asking this question is about finding a balance. Like when you're yeah. setting up a city like Denver, I'm looking at Denver, right? And Denver prefers wheat beers and uh, English style beers, right? And yeah. stouts. Uh, you know, like the balance of the game, like how much work and how much error and tri- trial and error have you had in like actually working out what you found is a good balance in this game? And is there a lot of, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned spreadsheets. I, I assume there's a lot of statistical analysis that goes into this. There, there definitely is some, st- uh, some stats that goes into this. Um, each, each like number on the in- ingredient card. Um, and well, let, me, let me back up. So it all, it all starts with an assumption and you you need to look at that assumption and say does this assumption matter or not and do I want to go forward forward with this assumption because because as soon as you continue forward with one assumption you need to build the rest of the systems to accommodate that so the assumption that I made in, early in the game was um, every beer has like a, a value on it this is victory points at the end of the game um, and the assumption that I made was it's 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 helpful and intuitive if the ingredients that are put into the beer sum up to that value. So you, you like, there's mm. some sort of like perceived equality there. Like I, I think this ingredient is worth, you know, three something. And if I, you know, it, it like that, that's a value that I understand now. And and then if I use that ingredient to brew a beer, then, you know, if I used it efficiently, then the beer is now worth um, maybe let's say 10 victory points. Um, and the total of the ingredients that you use now equal that 10 victory points. And so keeping the the numbers intuitive for people along the way, I think, is really helpful. I didn't um, realize that connection of the quantity of the ingredients equaling the victory point of the beer. I didn't notice that part yet. Yeah. And and so that that's, in, that's interesting feedback because maybe that actually isn't a... Um, a, a core assumption that that should be, you know, you know, be... I'm, I'm kind of inclined to, to argue against that, right? Because there's the intangible of the brewer's skill, you know, like, yeah, for sure. You know, if Russian River makes a beer and, you know, yeah. someone else makes a beer, they're not going to have the, well, that's the whole quantity versus before. quality part that yeah. we wanted to you mm-hmm. know, discuss later. But, um, it, it, sorry, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> no, no worries. And so like, so, so that was one one pretty core assumption that I made early in the game. Now, when you make that assumption, um, that affects the rest of the gameplay, right? And so the other really core assumption in the game is one bottle cap is one point. Um, and so, you know, using bottle caps in multiple systems, using one component as multiple uh, multiple things in in multiple systems. So, you know, a bottle cap is is a is a startup fund like it's money and it also is a victory point um later in the game mm-hmm. um there needs to be some sort of a you know some some sort of like a you know a, a ratio so that those things line up so so that those things cannot get out of control so that one you know one person cannot win the game like 200 points to, t- to one mm-hmm. or something like that um and then the other thing about that too is um this one bottle cap is a physical thing, and if you if you if you start to like stack that on the city, right, you um, you you start to 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 you start to get. I guess what I'm what I'm going for on this one is like, the more player decision you give, the more the the more you allow like modularity or variability. I think the more you have to understand 
the potential the potential results. And so that's where that statistical analysis comes. And so you'll notice that there's not an equal number of ingredient cards uh, on the either the quality or the, the quantity number. So there's there's a number of one waters, there's a number mm -hmm. of two waters, there's a number of three waters, but they're not all the same. And so those are put into the game to create some sort of a statistical curve right. that will help you a brew the beer. And again, going back to the assumption that every you know every beer should have a sum of ingredient, a quality number that is equal to the sum of ingredients, but will also help you um, win a brew fest, which also uses ingredients. So there's like a lot of different components being used in multiple systems, and to be able to deliver the um, the, the correct amount of, or, or the, the, the desired result takes, I think it takes a lot of balancing, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was just thinking about the distribution of, of, of the ingredients, especially. Yeah. Because that plays such a major role in, in what you're, what you're allowed to do. I mean, if you can get the big data for that, right. Yeah. Then that's your balance point by tuning those numbers on the deck. Right. But yep. until you can figure out the big data, yeah. you don't know what those numbers need to be. Exactly, and then you you, you just you, you guess, and then you try to you know you go go in with a hypothesis, and then you test whether the hypothesis was right or not. And the other side of things is you can take an, you can completely re remove a number from a thing, and see how it plays as you know just one unit, and you don't attach a value or a weighting to it other than one unit, um, and you know. I don't like. I, I don't think the game works as well with you know if I take that approach. Um, but again, it kind of boils back to some of those, those assumptions that were made early, early in the in the design phase. Mm -hmm. Ballpark figure. How many times have you played the game, and are you sick of it yet? You know, I've played it. Um, <laughs> Give us your honest answer, not your marketing uh, guy answer, please. <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. Um, there have been times where I've been sick of the game. Um, <coughs> And I think any, anything that you spend time on, that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, you burn out, you burn out on stuff. Um, that being said, I have iterated on this so much that it, where where it sits today, it's such a dynamic beast that every time I play the game with you know with a group of people, someone is always going to be doing something different, and you need to like really think and react to that. And so there's. There's so much variability and, and, and there's so much player choice going on because every round some someone else is choosing where they're gonna be putting like this market demand or this potential victory point on the map. And if they spread it out equally, well now I'm gonna react one way. If they stack it all on one city, now I'm gonna react one way. If they put it in a region that is mine, or if they put it in a region that is somebody else's, and so it, it, it throws in all these like really um, really interesting and dynamic decision points. Um, and so this recent iteration, I, I haven't burnt out on it. I mean, it's, it's, it's just like the, the other core design principle in this is like, keep it under 60 minutes if you can, Yeah. because that's when you're going to burn out on things, right? Is if, you know, if, if you don't like what it is and it also takes two hours. Right. I, I, I imagine that you mentioned that a lot of different things happen that, that, that helps against burnout is if there's a lot of sort of emergent properties happening, different absolutely different ways that, that that the game plays out. Now, one of the big biggest challenges with emergent gameplay is you need systems in place so that you can uh, restrict somebody from just running away with a victory. And so, 
that's what that, that's like the whole core and 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 uh, principle behind that brewfest mechanic. I've had some feedback from uh, you know a lot of players that it, like in a brewfest like this this thing. Um, first off, it, it it takes a little bit to learn. Second, it isn't always it isn't always understood the first go around, mm-hmm. or isn't always used the first time, like the first playthrough. Right. Um, if I'm there helping teach someone, I'll I'll you know I'll I'll walk them through an example of it first so, so that people understand it. But it, it's interesting because a brewfest in the game kind of manifests itself as a defensive mechanic where if somebody is you know has has a lot of market demand that they're controlling, that's a way to go after them and say. Not only am I going to go after your, the market demand that you're controlling, but I also could a- actually take the territory that you control too. Right. Now, what, and, and that kind of conflict actually presents yeah. a, a, a very like another cool dynamic point because you need to decide where and when to do that. And in such a short game, in so many few so few actions, like you need to be very, I think, strategic, but also very like tactical about when when you're going to do it. When you were coming up with the game mechanics, was it? Uh... How how hard was it to to put the beer terms to the different game mechanics? Like, I I'm that was extremely tough. Yeah, because I'm I'm still I'm not quite sure that a beer fest is the right word for what is actually happening. I mean, for me personally, I see it more of as like a battle for tap handle space. Yeah, or, or a distributor like battle yeah. or something yeah. like that. You know that that's interesting. That that's an interesting perspective. Um. But also, craft brewers don't want to talk about battling each other, right? They only want to talk about battling ABI, so... Right, right. <laughs> um, so making that, it a friendly competition at a best of show for yeah. a beer fest is, is a way to kind of sub, you know, hide the, the battle. Yeah. Sure. I, and I, I, I like that. I, I think, you know, initially it's a place where conflict is happening. And for whatever reason, like, brew fest, to me signifies it's a good term that at least you know and like delivers what what the thing is um because you you're, you know you're kind of like like it's you know pe- people understand what a brew fest is i don't know that if they would understand what a distributor battle is or like a um tap you know, handle the, type thing yeah yeah i don't yeah um one, one of the biggest ones that was was tough to get nailed down was in in two like even through you through through both of your feedback um, I'm still I'm still fleshing out what the best term is for a lot of these yeah. a, lot, a lot of these things, and I'm I'm open to feedback if something fits better than what what you know what is currently there. This, so the quality versus quantity conversation, right? I think for hops and grain, um, quantity make a ton of sense for water and yeast. I think quality makes a ton of sense. Yeah, um, I mentioned it to an email at Aaron last night where I was looking at how the game mechanics worked, and he. You know, you draw these cards which have a statistical value on them of one through five. One through five. And in the directions as written today, they're talking about quality, right? So if you want to make a double IPA, you might need four hops. Four four increments of hop quality. Yeah. And so you could add, you can sum together two cards of two quality hops. And I, I mentioned, you know, it, it, it's kind of... I mean, just because of the vocabulary used, it yeah. doesn't make great sense because you can't yep. take two bags of stale hops and make one <laughs> bag of great hops, right? Uh, a very good example. 
But quality comes into play when you have the beer fest because you're because then then it makes total right. sense that, right. that a beer one beer's quality is against. This actually one. walked into uh, the question that I've been waiting to ask here, and that is: so you've gone through seven or so revisions on the thing. You've been on Kickstarter for eight days now. You're fully funded. How much more revision do you think there'll be before the supporters get? The, uh, the the release version of this game like how much is it do you think it's like 80% set 90% set what's your I, I would say it's 90% set yeah um, and that the 10% is going to come from two places um, the first one is stretch goals and the second one is you know people that are interested in and engaged in the project uh, have total access to the print and play and a lot of a lot a lot of them have been playing it and giving me feedback, and so I think if the feedback makes makes sense and it 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 deliver it adds value to the game, then I totally want to incorporate it. I think the the consideration um, that the, the the considerations that I always need to look at is like how how what how much of a departure is it from where, where you're at today, and also how does it affect cost, right? Hmm. Um, I think. The, the two things that I really, or the one thing that I do really want to add to the game um, from where it is today is I want to, uh, you know, because there are new game mechanics, there's new systems people need to learn and understand, and, and there, there's not really a game out there that, I mean, it, like, this is not this is not like a Ticket to Ride clone. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a new game in it, in it, like, in itself. And I think that that's fun, and that's, that's you know, pe- that's interesting. People like that, but... You, you want to also make sure that someone can learn this very quick as well. And so that's the phase where I'm really at right now is, is how do I take what I have? Cause I know it plays, um, it, it plays competitively. It's interesting decisions. It is, it's, it's for the most part, you know, pretty balanced. Um, and it's competitive and how, how do I make that very easy to learn? And so if there are, you know, suggestions or feedback that are, that are you know, that are, making it more intuitive like i'm i'm gonna jump on that in a heartbeat another question i had here for you is when was the like have you seen any what you would consider bugs like someone's able to exploit the game in a certain way and and run away with it like uh you mentioned about how good games don't let people run away there was an article recently uh I forget where I saw it, but it was like the worst board games of all time, right? And it's board yeah. games where you have very little choice, where it's just draw and random chance. Monopoly, Candyland, Shoots and Ladders, things like that. Monopoly loses particularly because a player can run away with the game. Mm-hmm. And, and, and players are kicked out. And Yeah, and that's it. You don't want yeah. players to be eliminated. And it lasts six hours, all these, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it sounds like you are very familiar with, especially the Monopoly case, where you want to make sure that no one can get a Monopoly power on the game and run away with it. Uh, But, you know, I love the idea of thinking of finding a bug in a physical printed paper game, right? And so, like, can you think of any examples, like the last time you found a bug in the game? Okay, so here's a bug Um, in, in the game. There's a special ingredient. It's called a berry... And if you look at the special ingredient, what it says on the berry is um, player may swap any two market demand stacks. And what that means is, like in New York, let's say New York has 10 bottle caps sitting on New York. That's 10 market demand there. Let's say that San Diego has zero bottle caps on it. You could take that stack of 10 and swap it with a, tech, a stack of zero or, or a stack of one or whatever it is. Like, 
that that that's how that card works, and you can play that card when you launch, uh, when you brew your beer and launch it into the market. And so you can activate the action on that special adjunct when you brew and launch into the market. Um, where the bug comes in, and th this is an easy fix, but but you know, based on the literature, where the bug comes in is at the end of the game. There's a one, one step back. So, so the game has a pretty gradual learning curve. You're brewing beer. You're claiming cities. You're feeling really good about yourself. And then it ramps up to the end of the game. And the, the way the game is designed is that it ramps up and there's a lot of competition at the end. And like 98% of the time, there's, you know, there, there, are, there will be brew fests at the end. Sometimes they're, they're you know, just optimal plays from the user. Sometimes you literally have no decision other than to make a brew fest. To, to enter a brew fest. Um, if you launch with a berry at the end of the game, when someone has already brew fested, by the way the card by the way the cards are written right now, you could swap two market demand stacks. So 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 let's say um, Greg, uh, I, I brew fest Greg in in New York, and there's ten bottle caps on there, and we're like, man, this is gonna we're gonna duke it out till the end, and who knows what's gonna happen. And, and Jeff launches a beer a beer with a berry. Technically, right now he could take that that bottle cap stack of 10 off of New York and put it on his uh, his beer somewhere else. And now we're brew festing over maybe one cap. And so mm. that's kind of like that, that is the, that, that's the bug that exists right now. That will be um, refined based on just some literature saying you can't use this card after, you know, like on a city with a brew fest. Okay. Okay. That, yeah. That, that makes sense. Do you? I want to get into playing the game. Yeah, uh, let's. Uh, thank you so much, Adam, for for joining us. What? Why don't you uh, tell us about what what your Kickstarter is, so people can uh, can go there. Oh, yeah. actually, one more question is: so we mentioned you're fully funded. Uh, tell the people what the stretch goals are. Why should they still give you money? Yeah, so stretch goals um, are pretty exciting. Um, we are going to be a uh, adding new beer cards to the game, so getting more breweries and, and beer names involved. Second stretch goal is an expansion pack. So I've already been thinking about how do I want to expand this game? How, like, how can I add a new dynamic? Usually an expansion pack uh, succeeds when it does two things. It adds, adds new graphics and content, and then also adds a, a new mechanic to the game. Um, the, the, I think the third stretch goal is a new... Additives. So these additives, these adjuncts, are special uh, actions that can be executed when you launch a beer with that adjunct. Pumpkin peach. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> if you have any good suggestions about, you know, adjuncts, uh, I, I will, I will hear those and potentially add them. If you did it enough, you can pick your own, can't you? If you, uh, yeah. So there were some tiers in the, in the game too to actually design a, to like design a beer card. Is, um, is chili so, in here? Because people are putting chilies in beers nowadays. Yeah, no, chilies could be a stretch goal for sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I I just had a jalapeno beer the other weekend, and I don't I couldn't finish it. Really? It, it there's some like, that are great. It lit me up. I mean, <laughs> I I like a light and hoppy beer, like like lighter beer. I like hoppy beers, um, but I'd never experienced um, like like a spicy beer, and and so this was this was a new taste to me and. I couldn't finish. I, I drank most of it, but it was very good. It just didn't burn me. <laughs> That's okay. They're not all that bad. All right. So uh, yeah, uh, 
yeah, if you have anything else you want to say about the stretch goals or just like promote your uh, your Kickstarter. Yeah, so the, the Kickstarter is called Brewing USA. Um, it is fully funded, but uh, I, I'm an in, independent game designer uh, as a as a hobby right now, but I guess now turning into uh, you know a full fledged thing, and there you know there there are not going to be infinite copies of Brewing USA available, and so. This is the time to get in. This is the time to help it help it grow, and this is the time to make the game bigger and better. And so that that's going to be things like adding new beer cards. Um, and if you're in the Kickstarter campaign, the other thing that's really cool too is we have a great community going right now. And if you have a brewery you want involved, just let me know, and I will I'll send them an email. I'll call them up. I can't promise they're going to be in the game, but I can try. You know, I just thought of one last question because I remembered your your game company's name, Adams Apple Games. Yeah. Uh, are you you worried about the uh, like hundred billion dollar Apple company worry <laughs> being concerned about that name? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, okay. yeah, it, did, it doesn't seem like that'd be a yeah no. Okay, so it, <laughs> I'm going after him. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> the website is kickstarter.com slash just brewing USA. Um, you know, there, there's looks a like pretty, it's complicated, uh, yeah. pretty complicated website. I'll leave, I'll leave a link and you can link it in the show notes if you guys have that. Yeah. Just do a Google search for yeah. Brewing USA. I got the link, but it. yeah, if you search for Kickstarter cool. beer game, it comes up. Cool. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Adam Rayburg, for, uh, for talking with us and telling us all about your game. We wish you the best of luck. No, and thank you for being flexible on time. I apologize. I was so late to the podcast. That's uh, fine. You know, stick around. We're going to play through. If, uh, I will. If you want to watch us play 